No, you tell it. No, you. I'm not telling it. You should totally tell it. <laughs> well, you should tell it. No, you tell it. Hello, and welcome to Know You Tell It, a hybrid story incubator slash performance series. Each Know You Tell It participant develops their own nonfiction piece on the page, then switches with a partner to perform each other's work on stage. Because nothing informs your story like hearing someone else perform your story. A gig performing the role of mystery woman at the bar has our narrator of Agent Hot Pants questioning the nature of playing games. From Alter Egos, here's Catherine Barron performing Deborah Disbro's story. Agent Hot Pants. Excuse me, Agent Hot Pants. I turn around and I see a man drop to the floor doing push-ups. I just wanted to get warmed up first. (laughs) He proceeds to lift me in my chair so I hover above the bar almost to the ceiling. I let out a squeal, mix of two-part shock, one-part delight. Well, maybe it's more like equal shock and delight. I can't help but be a little impressed with his effort. He holds me up for a little longer, and I keep asking myself, how is he doing this? I feel a little like we're on a talent show. Fantasy location set in an Irish pub. Only we forgot steps after the lift. I'm trying very hard to control myself and keep some sense of dignity. Hard to do when some dude has you held up in the air. And I really do want to squeal more, but I am working. (laughs) Think higher status, I tell myself. Yes, he's physically stronger than you, but you do have something he needs. He brings me down. Huh. Uh, thanks, I say with a still-shocked giggle I can't seem to hide. His coworker walks over. Impressive, right? How'd you like that? Yeah, impressive. Um, wow, I say as I'm still replaying it in my head. Still feeling like I'm up in the air and maybe having inhaled some magic balloons while I was up there. (coughs) Push-up man smiles, knowing he already won this part of the mission. And I give him what he's after. Much faster than normal. I did feel slightly guilty about that, but the dude could have just broken his back. I get paid to get picked up. But it's not normally so literal, and it's much more PG, well, PG-13, than what you might be thinking. What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? Agent hot pants. That's what they're looking for. I sit at a bar and pretend to look busy, texting or reading some New York Times article on my phone or writing random thoughts, to-do lists in my notebook, but nothing that they could be able to see and decipher. I don't want them to actually know about my real life. I'll hear a group of people coming in and looking for me. Might be laughing and whispering, that must be her. Is that her? I think that's her. Or they might be a little anxious, arguing. Well, I don't see any hot pants. Those are just normal pants. (laughs) After they deliberate for a few minutes and I sit there not noticing them, they elect one or two people from their group to come over and pick with a pickup line, or two, or three. Some, of course, are better than others. They're normally terrible. Then they ask me for my nickname, secret nickname, that is. But I don't usually give it to them right away. I make them work for it. I might say, huh, what else you got? Or, I'm not that easy, honey, keep trying. Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? (laughs) Their ages might range from 20s to 40s. 
Their look, more casual than corporate. More shorts or jeans and sneakers, with maybe a button-down thrown in. One guy in gym shorts, after I told him I don't give it away so easily, said, but normally I just pick up people by being friends with them. <laughs> Another guy in his button-down, half-tucked, and wearing sunglasses whispered, I'm not so good at this. That's why I'm wearing these. <laughs> I asked, to be in disguise? He smiled. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate those dudes. They keep it real. One woman, more co corporate, in a pencil skirt, tried to butter me up by telling me she worked for the Dove campaign and she'd like me to be a model. Is that terrible that I wasn't sure if I should be flattered? <laughs> <laughs> One woman in jeans and a t-shirt sauntered over to me, leaned heavily on me in a way that made me a bit uncomfortable and said, I was voted in high school most likely to go both ways. <laughs> One guy tried to pick up the wrong woman. Once in a while, there's a call for backup. Hey, Billy, get over here. You're, you're good at this. Some other man from the group, maybe wearing leather, then might smile and saddle up to me as he channels his pickup dive bar drinking days. Hey there, where'd you come from? Yeah? That's a nice place, sweetie. This is when it can strangely feel a bit too real. I do think it, and I've gotten pretty used to having random acting gigs in between admin jobs, rehearsals, teaching, directing. But after you hear enough of these bad lines, and we all have, it's tempting to just be really bad at faking it. Oh, honey, yes, yes. That is so amazing, the way you have with words. <laughs> Is your last name Whitman? Because I want to sample you. <laughs> the people playing are actually all from the same workplace. It might be Google one day, or a pharmaceutical company the next, or even teachers from the same charter school. It's their team building event, and this might be the third out of six missions they do, or the seventh out of eight, an a la carte cell phone scavenger hunt. They seem to be getting a pretty big kick out of it. But this mission in particular has got to be a bit nerve-wracking. They are being scored on how well they can pick someone up in front of their co-workers. It's an ego boost, really. A power thing. I mean, I've got info they need to move on to the next part of the game. And it's pretty fun to play with withholding, withholding it. It gives me license to act, well, I don't know. You fill in the blank. Once I decided to give them what they're after, my nickname, they giddily send it as a text into their game phones like a kid claiming his prize after skee-ball. They immediately receive back a text that the second part of the mission is to get my phone number, but they must first play a game to win. Then the whole team rushes over, and I reveal that we are going to play the dating game. But with only one question asked. Something like, tell me how you would impress me on a first date. I always wish Monty Hall was with me, and I could sit behind a curtain with my legs crossed. But instead I try to play with both the host and the contestant. It makes me think back to when I was 12, watching reruns of that show. Or maybe they weren't reruns. And wanting to be the lady who held the power behind those index cards. 
or even younger when I would feign being more sick than I actually was to stay home and watch Prices Right, playing with my one real, one fake Barbie while, while curiously studying the real life Barbies on TV. But even back then, I knew the hosts were always more interesting. Who wants to just smile and point at things? Their answers to the date question can become a little window into gender culture. Women and men are mixed within the group, and married people and parents try to play the game imagining that they're single again. <laughs> Although some people aren't so good at faking <coughs> or just don't want to. One guy told me he'd talk about his kids and showed me a picture. Yeah, I couldn't blame him. Kids were damn cute. <laughs> For all the women, I tell them they can imagine me as a woman or a man. One blonde woman said, if I would imagine you as a man, I'd just sit there and laugh at all your jokes. Isn't that all men want anyway? <laughs> I smiled blankly and looked around at the group, most of them mirroring that same blank smile. I wanted to pull Blondie aside and talk to her about it. Ask her what makes her feel this way. Did she watch too much Price is Right? But that would be more Oprah than Monty Paul. Instead I say, great, who's next? It leads me to fantasize about being a talk show, show host with a big opening number and finale and a kick-ass band ready to back me up at all times. A well-timed cute drummer that makes a pretty good joke amazing and a sidekick who somehow makes all those silly, quirky things that we say to each other much more deep and meaningful. All sandwiched between supporting and encouraging life changes. A traveling talk show extravaganza for the masses. Has this all been done before? A trap. But maybe fantasies aren't supposed to self-criticize. They're supposed to make you feel good. Can you lick your elbow? I can. <laughs> I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Slip back to Monty. Oh, sounds intriguing. Oh, so I, I can lift my leg behind my ear. Oh, superb. I blindfold you and take you to a sexy lounge where an amazing guitarist slash violinist slash cellist slash singer would be giving you a private concert playing the songs I wrote for you. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. When's good for you? I mean, oh, marvelous! <laughs> Once they've all given me an answer, I smile and give them my phone number to type into their phones. Only the last four digits to keep it mysterious. But what they don't know is that number is actually a subjective score based on their collective <laughs> answers. <laughs> what they also don't know is that I have a hard time with this part. I give it to them in the slowest way possible. Somewhat badly, trying to build up the tension and suspense, but really just calculating how I thought they did against my never-ending guilt. I never score any team too low. I mean, how could I? So what if they have a different taste than me and I would never want to go on their date? I mean, who am I to judge? I'm like the game show host who doesn't want anyone to feel bad, so they just keep finding things to compliment them on. 
Oh yeah, that's actually not the right answer, but you still look great in those pants. <laughs> it makes me think about when, given license to be the center of attention in real life, it feels good at first. But then I feel this unease, sort of guilt. And I want to shine it back on everyone else. Sure, I'll answer your questions, but I'd much rather be asking them. What if I just want everyone to win? This is why I'm terrible at sports. <laughs> the anonymity, though, is the best part. Agent Short Shorts. Agent Lederhosen. Agent Bunhuggers. <laughs> Agent Hot Lips. Agent Fancy Pants. Agent Money Pants. Agent. Agent. Some days, negotiating the shared space of the MTA can unleash our inner transit monster. Here's Deborah Disbro performing Not Afraid of the Dark by Catherine Barron. Not Afraid of the Dark. When I was in high school, a self-assured college student smugly informed me, I'm always happy. Nothing ever gets me down. To which I replied, how sad for you. How do you appreciate being happy if it's all you ever are? Darkness is a necessary part of healthy life. Newly hatched sea turtles expand out of their shells on predestined nights and crawl on tiny flippers towards the moon-reflecting ocean. Bats and owls seek and snatch dinner in the dark. Melatonin is released when we sleep in a darkened room and among other functions, keeps us in line with our dark light circadian rhythms. The pollution of light that plants iridescent roses in our nighttime sky is a hindrance to our well-being. I am aware that there are things to fear in the dark. The word lurk comes to mind. Perhaps there's no night light in your bathroom, but a brightly shining street lamp is certainly preferred to a dark alley pouring invisible air onto a vacant sidewalk. But the dark is always there. Help me to the light. When I was a kid, my dad and I would watch The Incredible Hulk on Friday nights. I was iffy on David Banner. <laughs> to be honest, I thought he was a wuss. But I love the Hulk. Not just because of Lou Ferrigno's bulging muscles. All the more shocking in his springtime green. No, not only that, I, I love the change he was unable to control when David was pushed to his emotional limit. When pain or panic or injustice had thrown down the figurative gauntlet, gauntlet and his Hulk picked it up and crushed it. The moment when Banner looked straight into the camera with glowing green eyes and accepted he was no longer in charge. <laughs> I held my breath watching him struggle between his two selves. I was mesmerized by his inability to stop the emergent beast and wished he could find some small way to enjoy it. When the mayhem was over, he would wheel around, survey the destruction caused, and lumber off to recover from the rush of his rage. Which brings me to the New York public transportation system. <laughs> There is an amazing transformation that intermittently occurs when I descend the stairs to our subways. And much like David Banner, I'm never completely prepared when my eyes go as 
subtle deeper shade of green. And I say to myself, self, now would be a good time to start counting breaths. Slowly and gratefully, I have discovered the gift of a consistent morning meditation practice. Unfortunately, there are days, days, and <laughs> which is often <laughs> forgo the focused quiet time that serves to bring my careening thoughts back to the center of myself. Often the days I say, ah, should I be on time or sit still for 10 minutes and choose to scoot out the door are the very days I need the most assistance. Recently, I had the luxurious option of either lounging around Brooklyn for the day or getting some work done in the city. I made the grown-up choice, the responsible choice, the choice that goes against my natural state of being. <laughs> I grabbed my bag and headed for the train. I was content with my decision. Honestly, I, I felt superior to the whole world at large because of it. It was a gorgeous morning. Crisp enough for a cardigan, but swearing to warm up to spaghetti strips. As I neared the Eastern Parkway Brooklyn Museum stop, I heard the subway approaching under my feet. The rumble below meant I had 25 to 30 seconds to make it to the train. As long as a throng of children was not plugging up the stairwell, I could sprint downstairs and easily slip between the subway doors before they slid shut. If I miss it, I thought, no big deal. Wait for the next one. In my experience, another train always comes. <laughs> another train does not come, then there is a bigger problem at hand, like a strike or a storm or a giant alien invasion, and I won't likely be held responsible. As I slid my card through the stall, I heard the ding of the doors. Pretty good chance I missed it. Oh well, I missed it. Still, I, I kept a pep in my step, heading down the stairs to see if the subway doors might park one more time on a whip. Nope, train was moving. Okay, fine. Just wait for the next one. Then I hear, you missed it! In a tone similar to a game show host announcing the next lucky contestant. It emanated from the lone person stepping slowly up the stairs as I began my descent into the tight. I want to point out here that I am entirely behind the human right to free speech on any given day. I, however, lose this perspective when I enter a subway terminal. I should also say here that although I do not mind going to extra lengths to catch the train and missing it, I do, Lord save me from my vanity, mind when someone notices. Or maybe not even when they notice, but when they notice and comment. <laughs> now this, I'm aware, is absurd. Life is constant links of nothing ventured, nothing gained. I was unable, however, to refrain from responding, no kidding, with a tone I hoped was incendiary. Minor report, retort, I know, but what I was thinking was, don't make me angry. <laughs> you don't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> rise in my sternum and my eyes make a small shift towards the color of Ireland. No problem. I pulled out my notebook and wrote with ferocity and venom. I find it very helpful to write when I'm irritated. <laughs> Perhaps the heinous witch just wanted me to be well informed. Perhaps the hideous hag thought I was blind and was steering me in a self 
safe direction so I did not fall into the tracks. <laughs> All things were possible. I was somewhat calmed. <laughs> the next train arrived shortly thereafter, and I was pleased to find a seat. See, I thought, this is better anyway. There probably wasn't a seat on the last train. I continued to write, questioning the root of the problem. What is it with me and mass transit anyway? I'm certainly glad it existed. Had I become claustrophobic in some way? Was the constant closeness of rush hour finally grinding through the shell I adopted to cope in the city? Was I wrong to leave the space and sky and woods of my home? No way. <laughs> At the next stop, a woman got on the train and promptly stopped all over my feet. Now, I admit it, I have long legs. I have big feet. I am nearly six feet tall and long of limb. I accept that my toes stick out and am not always conscientious of the onslaught of new passengers on the train. No mention was made by me of the injury. In the process of rearranging myself, however, I may or may not have harumphed. I am not entirely sure. <laughs> I may have also bumped into her feet. This is hazy as well. <laughs> I was sure that I trampled upon her toes and said as much. A small, breathy voice, you are stepping on my feet. Well, I was shocked as I was the one sitting and not prone to lifting and lowering my feet willy-nilly while seated on a sofa. <laughs> Still, I wrote. I may have also been a slight spinach leaf color. <laughs> my haziness may have been from a chemical reaction brought on by train travel, similar, strangely similar to the gamma radiation that affected David Banner. The foot stomper was a petite woman. It was understandably necessary for her to rest her bag on my knees so that she was able to reach the overhead bar. Her arm was extended to its full length, straight out, fingertips barely curving around. And then the fantastical happened. <laughs> I mean, it happened. I rose to my feet in slow motion, head bowed down until the last minute, hoping to hide my glittering eyes. The transition from peachy gold end of summer skin to jaw-dropping emerald green was in the slightest of gradations. The smooth shift of her brilliant biological DJ. By the time I was fully enfolded, I had doubled in size and my shirt had sprung every last stitch from the sleeves to the hem. The transformation was awesome. <laughs> Mouths came open in dumbstruck amazement. Commuters back towards one end of the car and I grew. The rush was indescribable. Filled full of my completely justified righteous indignation, I roared. Babies that were previously crying stopped. <laughs> Those who were asleep awoke and shrieked. My thunderous, what is your major malfunction, lady? Are you blind? Was met with shouts of approval and passionate applause. <laughs> Throughout the entire transit system, iPods rocked at outrageous levels were immediately silenced. <laughs> Women in every tunnel and every platform ceased their slathering of fragrant lotions, spritzes of overwhelming perfume, and application of fingernail polish, 
and amended their olfactory invasive ways. All crime below street level came to a screeching halt. I became mayor of New York. Fabulous new independent feature film rolled along in my head. My face wore a triumphant smile. So, what really happened? Petite lady's bag was resting on my lap. Her arm was extended to its full length. Why don't you sit? I growled as I stood. It was not a kind offer of a seat as to one who was pregnant or elderly. It was my equivalent of a Lou Ferrigno roar cloaked in a hum of passive aggression. I moved her with the power of my mind until she acquiesced to my Hulk-like magnificence and took the seat. I showed her. I stood proudly for the rest of the ride. David Banner sought to reverse the effect of the gamma radiation. I seek freedom from a temper that would love to have an all-out tantrum on a subway car. I want to be seen and valued even if for the space my feet take up during rush hour. I don't want you to notice when I try my hardest and fail, whether it be in work or love or running for the train. I certainly don't want you to comment on it. <laughs> my fear of seeming foolish is overwhelming, and its color is green. Not the green of envy, but the green of being seen in my natural state, of being exposed. Fear of being a new shoot sprung up from the ground, aiming for the sun, pouring my whole heart into growth just to be plucked when the gardener thins her seeds. Does this mean I shouldn't try? Should just stay in the ground and hold on to my hard outer seed shell until I mold there? No. Hmm. Each time I descend the stairs into the subway, I throw a new seed. I am replanted. I am provided with the opportunity to see my darker self. Myself that flies in the fight or flight mode much more easily 20 feet under the earth. It is here that I grow in the darkness underground. That's it. Thanks for joining us for this installment of No, You Tell It. Visit us on the web at knowyoutellit.com.